Welcome back to another episode of the Suited Kings podcast, and happy holidays to all of my friends out there. Wes, happy holidays to you, man. How did the uh, how did the holiday season go for you? Oh, it was good. Um, you know, got mostly cold in the stocking, unfortunately. But <laughs> you've been a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was relaxing. Went over to my parents' house with my brother, just hung out. Ate food, open presents. Um, Anything super cool? Relaxing. Um, I did get some cool stuff. Um, actually, some some of the coolest stuff I got was not even necessarily a Christmas present, but my uh, my mom and her family have been going through her parents' old stuff, and I actually got um, my my grandpa had some old trophies for like handball and golf. Oh. Yeah, so he was winning trophies, and he had some, like, sales trophies. Were these things made out of, like, wood, or how old were they? They they look kind of like normal trophies, would, like, s- more similar to what my chess trophies look like. You know, <laughs> oh. I don't know if you all know, but I have a lot of chess trophies. <laughs> I don't think I knew that. Is yeah. that, a, that was a, a, a brag, I think, though. Yeah. <laughs> we all Not, know Humble Wes. That's I mean, your new nickname, by the way, Humble Maybe Wes. that's why I get cold in my stockings so yeah. just like throw stuff like that in just there. better <laughs> and you let people know it um yeah cool man well i'm glad to hear that my holidays went well i spent the um i spent christmas and the following day with my fiance and her parents we did some we did a lot of eating some napping not with her parents obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that was the next question. <laughs> I had to clear that up real quick. Um, yeah, no, and then I got some clothes, got some gift cards. It, was, it ended up being really nice. We ended up eating at Pizza Ranch, which I haven't ate at in a long time. So crushed the buffet on Christmas Day. How about that? Nice. <laughs> um, I feel like we both have a bit of like a food, maybe not a food coma, but a food hangover or just like a – holiday sort of hangover in a way yeah yeah i'm not, not like an alcohol related no one, no i did i barely did i mean i had uh maybe one or two glasses of wine but i definitely have like a i think i'm wore out a little bit you know and also yeah. <clears throat> so this is the first episode we're recording where i don't have coffee yeah i think that might be it as well but i've um i've given myself a treat of the of the tahitian variety <laughs> there you go <laughs> It's pretty good. I haven't had one of these since I was a kid, so I'm pretty hyped on that. Um, Yeah. Anyways, so the new year, 2024, right around the corner next Mm -hmm. week. I know a lot of people have, you know, wanting to improve their game on their New Year's resolution, uh, New Year's resolution list. And I think today's topic will be a great uh, place to start off the new year. We're going to kind of dive into um, the math behind the poker. We're going to give a bunch of different examples and different uh, tips or, you know, different scenarios or times to use when you can use math to your advantage. Wes, I think you're going to be taking the reins mostly today on this one as you are the nerd. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's, uh, I'll let's, take it. Let's get into it. All right. Yeah, so as far as math goes, when I got into poker, I feel like the math side of it was the first thing I really started learning and teaching myself. And a lot of that had to do with the fact that I'm just a mathematically inclined person. So for me, this is the side of the game that came probably easier than, you know, all the different reading, all all the other stuff that goes into it. I think 
I think for me, the math was the part that I really dug into. And yeah, no, that makes sense. You're missing a soul, but you got a b- big brain. So there that makes up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <clears throat> the amount of times I've heard that. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, so, and, and as far as the math goes, the reason why this is so important is even if your assumptions about the types of hands your opponents are going to play a certain way are correct, you can still land on a losing decision in the moment if you aren't understanding the mathematical reasons behind either making a bet, calling a bet, making a raise, making a fold. Um, And so it's important to get into this. So today I'm going to go through a few basic concepts and then a couple examples more in depth, Um, one preflop and one on the river as to how you think about it mathematically. Mm -hmm. Um, Why, you know, charts say what they do and how you can kind of calculate the expected value okay. of certain decisions. Yeah, and, and basically the point of this is, you know, what to do with your read once you have it. Okay. Obviously, you know, if you literally know your opponent has one specific hand, you should know how to play against that. But but let, most of the time we don't, just to add to that real quick, we don't, at, not often do we know exactly what our opponent's hand is. We we set them on a range, we construct their range, and we break it down till it's just a smaller range. We don't typically know. I mean, obviously, there's times where like this opponent has aces. Yeah, right? 100%. Yeah. And I think most people know what to do when they know their opponent has aces. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, float and then bluff when yeah. the straight comes in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so let's get into it here. So a few, a few of the kind of basic concepts we want to make sure that we're aware of are... First off, you know, when do we value bet? Mm-hmm. So let's say we're on the river and, and we're going to break these down in pretty simple situations because there are often a lot of different factors that go into a decision. But when you're on the river and so at this point, you don't need to deny any equity. So if you're going to make a bet, you're either doing it for value or, or as, as a bluff. bluff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And by what he means is we don't have to deny equity. He means there's no further cards coming. So if we have a hand that might be vulnerable, we don't have to bet to try and get opponents offhand. So our betting at this point is either going to be for one of two reasons, uh, which is a bluff or as a value bet. If you listen to our last episode, you would have noticed Wes had said that there's a few other reasons why we bet, such as denying equity. So that's gone here because we're at the river. Well said. And so let's say our opponent checks... And we have like top pair. This specific hand doesn't matter, but we're deciding whether or not we should bet this for value or just check it down. And the the conclusion we have to come to is it's not whether or not we think our hand is good more than half the time. It's whether if we make a bet, will we if our opponent calls, are we beating over half of the hands that will call? Okay. Because if, if our opponent folds, we can just assume our hand was good yeah, anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So If we're value betting. Right. If we're value betting and our opponent folds, the bet made no difference in the result in the hand. So yeah. we can kind of ignore that segment of okay. outcomes. So if we make a value bet, you know, let's say there's 100 bucks in the pot. So it, it, if we decide to put in $50 as a value bet... Mm-hmm the expected outcome of our opponent calling needs to be us winning over 50% so that on average we're getting more than $50 back from that okay that bet because 
you know, the, the hundred in the pot doesn't matter because we can already check it down and realize our equity yeah, in the yeah, pot. Yeah. On the other hand, if we are facing a bet on the river, it's different. So let's say we're we're on the other, you know, we check mm-hmm. the pot is a hundred, our opponent bets fifty. Okay. Now it's different because our risk reward, you know, we're we have to make a call of fifty and there's already a hundred fifty. So we have to be we have to assume that we're gonna win this pot twenty five percent of the time. Exactly. So and you know can you explain why how I came to that math? Yeah, I mean you're a genius. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for landing on a hundred dollar size bet. That makes things a lot easier. Yeah, you know, and obviously it won't be this easy in game a lot, but so so many of you out there will understand this. Many of you probably maybe won't or not like it, it, it won't come super Just naturally. Just up. Yeah. <laughs> so if there's 150 out there and we have to call 50, there will be a total of 200 in the pot if we make the call. So in order to end up with more than that 50 coming back in the long run, if we win exactly 25% of the time, if this spot played we're breaking out... breaking even. We're breaking even. Yeah, if this spot played out 10,000 times, on average, we're going to get back 50 of that 200. So we would need to beat over or at least 25% of the hands that our opponent is betting this way in order to make it a profitable call. Can I take this one step further? How do we determine if we are good 25% of the time or not? That is a good question. So there's the read part of it and there's the the math part. So let's, you know, the read part of it is for a different episode, obviously. But let's just say we, we... are in a situation, and we'll make this really, really simple. Okay. Let's say we think our opponent either has, you know, let's say it's Jack nine six six three or something. Okay. So the board, we, Jack we, nine six six three. Let's say we determine again. This is way oversimplifying it, but let's just say we determine our opponent either has Queen ten, mm-hmm. miss straight draw, yeah, or Ace Jack or an overpair. Mm-hmm. And we have like jack eight, you know, jack with no kicker. So it's a bluff catcher. Let's say jack eight. Mm-hmm. There are 16 combos. Uh, queen 10, unsuited. Yep. So of all, a suited and unsuited. Yep. So yeah. the way we're doing that is there are four queens, there are four tens. So there are 16 different combinations of queen 10 in the deck. Yep. So now if you think about it, you're like, well, we, so th- those are the 16 combos that we're ahead of. Mm-hmm. So there can be, up to 48 combinations of hands that we are losing to, and it can still be a good call. Because if there if there were exactly 48 combos we lose to, then there are 64 total combos that our opponent will make this bet with on the river, and we would still beat 25% of them. Yeah, so as long as the comp... So essentially, if the combos we're beating is over 25%, it would be a profitable call. Exactly. So in this case, if we assume it's only over pairs and ace jack, which again oversimplifying, yeah. but so no, it's a great uh, that's a great way to uh, easy way to explain it there. Um, I think yeah. So, yeah. I, so we'll, say we're going to do the it. math quick here. So each over pair, there's six combos. Um, there's always six combinations of every pocket pair. Yeah. So there are three over pairs. So eighteen total combos of over pairs, and then ace jack. There are four aces and only two jacks left because one is on the board and one is in our So eight combos of that. So eight combos. So there are a total of eight plus 18, 26 combos that we are 
losing two and 16 that we're beating. So that's, that's a profitable call. It is a profitable call. If we remember correct. And, and actually let's take this a step further. So I'm actually going to pull out my calculator here and we are getting, we are winning this pot a total it's, of. It's funny. I don't know the exact percentage, but I can easily figure out that it's over 25%. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's 38% of the time that okay. we're going to be ahead here. So if you, you didn't think, use a calculator for that, that was straight nah. off the top. Yeah, so in, in game, I might not like get the exact answer, but I'm like, okay. If, you it's, know. it's easy to generalize and know that it's like yeah, you, you want to get way cl- over or whatever. Get close, yeah. And so if we're good 38% of the time, the, the final pot will be 200 bucks. So 38% of 200 is 76. So our $50... On average, we're going to get back 76 from this call. So it's actually making this call, if our assumptions are correct, it will profit us $26 in the long run. That's a, Even, that's a nice call. So we should be making that call. We should be making that call. Um, and it's, a, it's good because I think on a human level, even if people kind of understand the pot odds, it's natural to want to fold in this sort of spot because you're like, well, I feel like I'm behind. And... The thing is, you're probably right. Like you are usually going to lose, but you don't want to fall into the the bias of oh, well, I I knew I was beat. I should learn how to fold those spots. It's like right well, because if you were to be wrong in that specific scenario, if you were to run this spot a hundred times, you would make money. A hundred percent correct, and that's essential to playing poker profitably because you can come to the right conclusion that oh, I'm beat most of the time. Mm-hmm. But if you're not doing the math to be like, okay, well, what actual percentage of the time here? And sometimes we can even tighten those numbers up by live reads or by opponent player types, stuff like that. But that's something we're not going to get into today. Exactly. You know, this is a simple example. Like if you know your opponent doesn't bluff, obviously, yeah, you can't okay. call. But cool. So I like that. So we kind of just to summarize that we talked about um, how to figure out if we should be value betting. Mm-hmm. And then also if we should be making a profitable call. So yep. on both sides of it. Yep. And then the last thing that we'll get into is bluffing. Um, again, just think about it in terms of risk reward. If you if you make a pot sized bet on the river as a bluff, we'll say a hundred into a hundred, mm-hmm. you're risking a hundred to win only that a hundred. Because yeah. if your opponent calls, you know, you lose. So yeah. you're only you're only aiming to win that amount. So if it's a one to one ratio you need to win at least 50 percent of the time if you're bluffing for pot size on the river yep um if you bet half pot on the river you're giving yourself two to one and so you only need to win over a third of the time yeah so again much more complicated than that in practice but those are good things to keep in mind when you're making different types of bets so now, now that we kind of went through that and explained sort of how to count the combinations of um, hands your opponent can have, let's get into a couple more practical examples here, and hopefully this will kind of help. Yeah, everyone. before we get into these new examples, can you give me a brief breakdown of like how many combinations there are of each kind of thing? So I know, so just mm-hmm. to keep it quick, we got pocket pairs. There's six combos of pocket pairs. Yep. Of any unpaired hand, there's 16 combos, right? 
Yep. And then that, of those... That's like Ace-King through Do 7 all suited and unsuited. There's 16 combos of each types of those hands. Yes. Yeah. So there's 16 combos of... Yeah, like Ace-King. And then for any suited hand, there's four combos. Yep. And any offsuit hand, there will be 12. And so. for any offsuit hand, there's 12. Okay. And that's actually a good point. That's a good thing to keep in mind because there are situations, especially, you know, if we raise and someone calls in middle position, mm-hmm. let's say the board has is like 10, 9, 6, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. 7, 8 makes a straight, but they called for middle position. So it's like, well, they're only going to have the suited variety of those. So you can knock down their combinations of a straight from 16 to four okay um and that that's a good thing to keep in mind when you're figuring out yeah i think knowing those four different types of uh, like basic combo numbers can help you it's a great starting point mm-hmm. um well now you guys know that uh it's not just 10 piece nuggets that come in combos <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that was a fifth grade joke, but anyways. <laughs> That's like a poker version of a dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> like I actually got my dad a, a book of dad jokes for Christmas. And so nice, nice. Tell him I could borrow that. <laughs> I would like I don't to think that. you need it, dude. You got you got plenty. <laughs> on point. All right. So yeah, sorry, move on. Um, all right. So the first situation I wanted to go over was a pre-flop one. And I kind of wanted to dive into, you know, let's look at what the charts say about this spot. But let's dive into why it says that and why, even though I am a player who follows the math, I'm not going to always do what the chart says either and how those two things sort of differentiate. Okay. So this spot I'm looking at, it's we're in a tournament. We're not near the money. So ICM is not a factor. We're just playing this for chip EV. Um, We're 30 big blinds effective and we're on the button the low jack raises to 2.1 big blinds and we three bet on the button with six to 6.3 big blinds low jack open you said yep okay um i just put this spot into the gto wizard pre-flop charts Mm -hmm. and you can actually view this with the free version so if any of you out there want to like do some of this stuff you don't even have to pay to look at these charts you know, it'd be awesome. Just yeah. a quick pauser is if we uh, get maybe in the new year, Wes and I are going to be doing like live stream trainings in our Discord channel, um, which has been having fun. I think learning how to use a solver tool such as GTO Wizard would be a great one to go over one day. So we'll get that all set up for you guys. If you ever want to learn how to use tools, you know, uh, solvers and such like that, we'll we'll get in. Make sure to hop in our Discord and we'll get um, one of these upcoming weeks. We'll We'll go over and teach you how to use it. Yeah, that's a great point. And yeah, this would be, uh, this is a great thing if you can, you know, if you're able to see the charts as we go along, it probably makes it easier. Um, Definitely. Definitely, yeah. So if any of you out there want to follow along, like pull up this chart, it's, uh, you just need a free subscription to GTO Wizard and you go to the MTT, um, MTT preflop charts and then put it in low jack raise button three bet and so it folds back around to the low jack and in this situation we're going to assume the low jack goes all in for 30 big blinds okay um so did you say it was 2.2 just curious not that it really matters the open size yeah 2.1 so 2.1 to 6.2 is that what it was 6.3 oh whatever Um, okay Okay. yeah these are the sizes it suggests yeah um Obviously, small deviations. So, yeah, 2x to 3x, 3-bet, yep. Mm -hmm. And then he jams for 30 bigs? Yep. 
in this situation, first thing we want to consider, fold. <laughs> um, so it, with the, the blinds and the big blind ante, so, so the low jack is put in 30 bigs. We've put in 6.3. Yeah. And then the blinds and antes are 2.5 bigs. So there's 38.8 big blinds in the pot. If we make the call, there will be 62.5 big blinds in the pot. Our 23.7 represents about 38% yeah. of the pot. So we need to end up winning this over 38% of the time to make a profitable call. Mm-hmm. So there are a couple considerations here. So now if we look at the hands that we will sometimes three bet, basically what the charts say is to call off with ace, ace king, ace queen, and then all the pocket pairs, because it would have three bet like eight, seven, sixes part of the time. And it wants to call with all of those. And then it just wants to fold like ace, jack, ace, 10, ace, nine, king, 10, king, queen, king, nine suited, jack, eight suited, ace, eight suited, ace, seven. you know, kind of the, the raggy three bet bluff kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Now, if you're just going off of this, like you might decide to flick in a call with pocket sixes because, oh, it's, you know, according to this, it's winning just over one big blind, mm. right? This is interesting because I think pocket sixes would have already been in the muck for me. Yeah. Because I, I don't know if these calculate in tournament equity or life equity, uh, tournament life equity, et cetera, into your calls. Like, I don't know how many big blinds you had behind either, so that's important. Yeah, but. it doesn't. This is just pure chip EV. Yeah, yeah. So you're, yeah, so this is... um yeah, not not accounting for any ICM. So we're assuming this is like yeah. middle of day one. You did right? say that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't have coffee today, guys. <laughs> I had a bunch before I came Damn over. It. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, but I think your point remains where like you would kind of automatically fold stuff like sixes or sevens. In, in, yeah, go ahead. Continue. Against the majority of players yeah, we're yep. seeing in our, our types of live tournaments we're playing. Yeah. This is where this is the cool part about poker where like it can be correct to fold, it can be correct to call. And so let's kind of get into mathematically why that is. So, okay. So the reason first off, let's get into the reason that pocket sixes, according to the charts, is gonna be a call, is let's look at what the low jack is gonna be jamming. So he's gonna be jamming a lot of combinations that are just over cards that aren't. So there's gonna be a lot of combinations, 16, you know what I mean? So let's say there's 16 of every unsuited mm-hmm. hand. There's gonna be a lot of combinations to add up here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So basically what it says is we're gonna jam as the low jack, ace king all the time. Mm-hmm. We're gonna jam kings, queens, and jacks ace, all the time. Ace queen off, I bet. Ace queen off only like a third of the time. Okay. Maybe a four, yeah, like a fourth of the time. Ace queen suited like three fourths of the time. Tens, nines, and eights are gonna kind of mix between call and and jam. Interesting. I thought ace queen suited would be, I guess for 30 bigs. Yeah. I guess if we were deeper, ace queen might be finding calls instead of jams, but okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Note pocket aces, it says should almost always flat and jam a small percentage of the time. So like when we're calculating that, just to keep it simple, we'll say like one combo of aces is going to jam and five will call. Okay. And then there's, again, like a small percentage of king-queen suited. And then ace-five suited, ace-four suited are 100% jams. And we're and we're dominating those hands. Yeah. So those hands, aren't we're not even flipping with. We're just dominating. Remember, we have pocket sixes here. Yeah. So then ace-eight suited occasionally jam, ace-seven suited 
about 50-50, and then Ace-3 suited occasionally jams. So if we put these hands into a calculator, we pocket sixes has about 40% equity against that entire range that's going to be jamming, and we only needed 38%. How do you calculate the entire range? Yeah, good question. So if you're studying or if you're in-game, it can be kind of different, but like if you're studying, you can put it into a tool like Poker Cruncher, for example. That's one I suggest to my students. That's one I've used a lot myself where like you can just put in ranges of hands you can be up against and then you get to see your equity. The way you do it in your head, and it's good to practice this because you'll need to do this in-game, but the way to do this is sort of figure, okay, so kings, queens, jacks are the pocket pairs that are going to jam 100% of the time. So that's six combos of each. That's 18 combos. Tens, nines, eights, those are all going to jam like tens, maybe a little over half, eights, maybe a little under half, nines about half the time. Okay. Let's just say each one of those we have, we're going to be up against three combos of each. Okay. So there are six combos of pocket tens, but. And we're flipping and you say. But but like tens through eights, there's six combos of each, but half the time they're going to call. So only three of those six combos are going to jam. Okay that's nine more so nine plus the the 18 of kings queens jack is is 27 and then pocket aces will say like one of the six combos it's all starting to make sense now i see yeah so so essentially 40 percent will make up the range of hands that is uh is beating us or is dominating us right um essentially so so the those so 28 combos of pocket pairs that are better than us so Think of it this like twenty eight combos we have twenty percent against. Yes, yeah. So we're we're dominated by twenty percent. Yeah. Or sorry, by twenty eight yeah combos, and then we have a bunch of hands we're flipping against. So all sixteen combos of Ace King. Yeah. And it's important to because I think people will often feel like okay I'm flipping or dominated a lot, mm-hmm. but the flips are tend to be more common because like. As we got into, there are 16 combos. There's more, of ace way king. more combos of those. Yeah. yeah. And then, so ace queen suited is supposed to jam most of the time. So we'll say three of those four combos. So that's 19 total that we're flipping against. And then we'll say one combo of king queen suited. So that's 20 combos that we're flipping against. Ace queen off, it's like a quarter of the time you're jamming. So three of the 12 offsuit combos. So we're up to 23 combos that we're flipping against. Ace-8 suited, jams like a quarter of the time. Your time banks up, bro. Hey, no, it's not. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, so so we'll add one combo of Ace-8 suited, and then Ace-7 suited is supposed to jam um, about half the time. So we'll add two combos for that. We're at about 26 combos that we're flipping against. And twenty. you said 28? 28 that, we're, that we have 20% against. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. dominated, yeah. Um, so if you, those are basically the same amount of common. So if you kind of average that out against those hands only, we are about 35%. And then let's add in, you know, ace five and ace four suited jam a hundred percent of the time here. So those hands, we have about 70%. So that balances it. uh, That balances out the ones that we're dominated by. Yeah. So that brings Uh, it up to about 40%. So that makes sense. And one thing I want to clarify, guys, is remember, this stuff isn't something you might think about in the moment while trying to, I mean, as you practice this stuff, it'll become easier, but it'll also become intuitive too. Like you'll be able to 
kind of determine these things by just looking at it and studying it a lot on your free time. So if you're taking hands and studying them, when you come, find yourself in the moment uh, trying to figure out the math, it'll come a lot easier than this. A hundred percent. And so, yeah, that's a really important thing to say is like most of this stuff you should do off the tables and like practice this way. So you can kind of in the moment, you're you're only really going through this sort of stuff if you're in a really close spot yeah. on, on the river and you're like trying to think, okay, there are all these combos of missed draws and then, yeah. and, you know, there are these combos of value that makes sense and what price am I getting again? It's good to kind of be able to estimate this stuff in the moment, but don't worry if you can't really. It Yeah, the biggest thing is to just practice doing this sort of know thing how the math felt. works yeah and practice it yep yep but go so going back to this now now you had said your hand would be in the muck pretty quickly and i think in most situations you're right because if we have pocket sixes here sure we have 40 percent against what the optimal four bet jamming range is from the low jack mm-hmm but most people aren't gonna do what's optimal they're not playing yeah. gto right and yeah uh, yeah and i'm probably not i'm probably closer than most but i'm not gonna you know <laughs> toot your own horn no i think the gt i think these solvers are going to be a lot more aggressive than your standard player is mm-hmm. yeah and so let's which means their range is wider which means we're going to have more you know equity against uh, more profitable call spots versus gto as we would probably and we wouldn't probably have those calls against your normal you know player essentially yep yeah well said and then so let's kind of calculate Based on what a normal player what might do, what sort of uh, what sort of odds we're getting, or not what odds we're getting, but what sort of odds we have against that range. Okay. So like in the low jack, your average player in you know like let's say a five hundred dollar tournament or something like that, they might they'll very rarely jam stuff like ace eight suited, ace seven suited, ace five suited. You know they're very rarely going to do that. I would almost completely rule that out, you know. Okay, unless they're European. Well, yeah, but we're <laughs> only playing those guys in like WSOP typically. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Continue. So let's say they will jam like pocket tens and better, and I'm including aces here. So they're not. They're probably not going to trap aces as much. Yeah, they're probably yeah. just going to jam aces. Tens, jacks, queens, kings, aces, jam. Got it. Yeah. This ace is king. four bet jam for thirty big, by the way. Yeah, and then let's just say ace king, and that's it. Okay. Let's say so we have poly. 16 combinations of ace king, and then we have um, remind me of if each pair is six combos, and you said it was 10. So yeah, so like 30 combos that were dominated by yeah, and, and 16, 16 okay. that we're flipping against. So you know, this is not good numbers, guys, to make a profitable call. Yeah. So in this case, you know, once you kind of calculate it all out, we're getting closer to like 30 percent against that range. Yeah. And we needed we needed to be good 38 percent of the time. Yeah, to call, or we need to end up winning 38% of the time to make a profitable call. So if you're making the assumption that that's what the person's range is, this is a snap fold with something like sixes. This is a snap fold with like, I mean, pocket nines would be the exact same thing. Yeah, you know? yeah, pretty much. Yeah, because assuming the range starts at tens, exactly. It's literally the same exact thing. Yep. Um, so this is, you know, a really good example. And I remember when Ian was on the podcast yeah, he said something about how don't use the solver to justify a play. You know, look what the solver is assuming your opponent will do, and then if you think that's true to what your opponent will actually do, then use the solver to justify the play. Mm-hmm. But like, 
this is a pretty good example pre-flop of like you can make a call you know if you call the four bet jam with sixes yeah gto wizard is going to say that's right but gto wizard is assuming your opponent has these four bet bluffs yeah that most opponents won't have so So against you it might be a profitable call but against you know i'm not going to start beef with anybody (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah but you know against your average recreational player you know i yeah, I, uh, I think I think most people out there will admit to themselves like, no, I'm not four bet ripping a seven suit. Hence why I five bet stuffed ace five suited in your face, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you were ahead. Meta wars, baby. <laughs> <laughs> this is in a five hundred. What was this? Uh, uh, two, two five, five cash game. Two five. We're two hundred bigs deep. <laughs> two, yeah, Wes and I got into a massive power. <laughs> I think you had ace three suited. Yeah, and you had ace five. I, f- I five bet ripped ace five suited. <laughs> and then you show the five, and I'm like, I mean, yeah, you're, you're, you're ahead. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, poker's fun. Yeah. So again, there's a difference between being like a solver player and being a math player. I would say. Okay. And this is an example of how like you can you need to use the math to come to the right conclusion based on what your read was. So in this case, you know, the math you you can the collar fold can be correct, but it depends on whether your read of your opponent's range is right and if you apply the math correctly. Okay. All right. So next, I want to get into this hypothetical river spot where we sort of we're going to make assumptions on what our opponent has the different types of hands that they could have then go through the math of like okay what's actually the best play against the range of hands our opponent can have so in this spot let's say we're low jack we raise we have king jack our opponent in the cutoff calls and then everyone folds so bet sizing doesn't matter let's say flop is jack nine six rainbow through flop top pair second second kicker. Yep, we bet they call. Turn, what position were they again? Cut off. Okay, and we're low jack. Got it. Yeah. Turn is a three. Board is a full rainbow. No flush draws. Jack nine seven three six three six three. Okay. Yep. We bet again. They okay. call. Okay. River deuce. So let's say we've gotten to the river here, and we are decide. We have like seventy five percent of the pot back. So we're if we're gonna bet, it's gonna be an all in yeah. sizing. And I, I mean, I, f- you know, this is kind of is irrelevant, but I feel like we have the best hand here most of the time. Yeah, yeah, I would say we do. Um, we're gonna, we assume that all the over pairs are gonna three bet us pre. Yeah, yeah, we would have heard from them at some point within this hand. I would assume. Yeah, most like our opponent will not have two pair unless it's jack nine suited, probably. And based on whatever suits are on the board, there's either gonna be one or two combos of jack nine suited. Okay. Um, cause there are only two jacks left in the deck, so there can only be two combos and then it, depending on what suit of the nine is out there. So, so we're, the only things we're really worried about are being trapped by a set and we'll assume that pocket jacks with a three bet too. So again, we'll, we'll simplify it a bit, but let's say our opponent, as far as hands that we're losing to our opponent could have pocket nines, pocket sixes, two combos of jack nine suited, and then ace jack, which would be a total of eight combos okay um now you might say well they might have three bet ace jack pre-flop true but for the sake of this situation yeah. let's say they will yeah y- you can assume they can i think it's fair for ace jack. jack to flat here too i mean mm-hmm. you'll see that a lot so um how many you said 18 combos of hands that are beating us let's see so eight of ace jack six of so pocket nines pocket sixes that's three of those each 
and then two of Jack Nine suited. So 16. 16. 16. Okay. Yep. So 16 combos of hands that beat us. And then let's think here for a minute. What hands are we beating that we get to that we would get to the river with in two streets? So is Jack Nine six three deuce? Yep. Three the three and deuce are and just there was, so and there's no turned flush draw so there's no flush draw at any point during the hand yeah so i think it's i think it's safe to assume that stuff like king queen or king 10 suited mm-hmm. is going to fold the turn because there's no yeah. they would just have a, a gutter and one or two yeah, overs. I mean, sometimes king queen might call come along depending on the player but yeah so I, I would assume here the hands that that um we're beating would be uh jack queen uh jack 10 queen 10 yep and it was Jack nine, so and then maybe ten eight suited. Yeah, yeah. So I and then I think seven eight suited because that would seven, be an open as well. As yeah, well. yeah, yeah. And yeah, I think because our opponent called in the cutoff, it's important to note that like most players are just going to have the suited variety of stuff like Queen Jack, Jack ten, Queen ten, um, seven eight, maybe ten eight, and then you know they could have like ten nine suited, Ace nine suited, maybe King nine suited. Oh um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. Um, nine eight suited some second pairs with yeah okay that turned some gutters instead or not even gutters just second pair or second yeah. pair yeah 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 now yeah so we we're losing to sixteen combos so we got to count these combos up now yeah so let let's think now if we jam the river here what hands that we're beating have a decent chance at calling us and almost like none of them right. maybe queen jack and that's kind of a hero call yeah so i'm even thinking like maybe queen jack suited jack 10 suited and let's say ace nine suited because it like ace nine suited unblocks the straight draws da 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 if i'm on global i'm i'm, I, I'm you're getting called by those hands but. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we'll we'll say those three but since it's only suited there's only two combos there are only two jacks left, so there are two combos of jack-10 suited, two of queen-jack suited, yep. and three of ace-9 suited. So that's only seven combinations of hands we're beating that we're hoping, that we're planning to get called by. Potentially could get called by, yeah. Yeah. And so we lose to more hands than that. There's something else we need to factor in here, though. Yep. So so I think from that conclusion, we can decide we actually should not bet this for value, Yeah. right? Yeah. Now, you could... Again, we're we're assuming a seventy five percent all in size. If you obviously, if you decide to like bet a tenth of the pot, like that would be mm-hmm. a profitable bet. But you're not. Be, it's still you're not going to be getting the most. Yeah. Let's so let's think like so. So now we have all these hands. We have only seven combos that we're beating that we might get called by. But what about all these other like straight draws that missed? Yeah. So how many combos are those? So su- Queen 10 suited we'll say all four. So we're assuming our opponent doesn't have Queen 10 off. Yep. So if opponent had Queen 10 off and Queen 10 suited, there would be 16 combinations. But since we're getting rid of the all the offsuit Queen 10s and assuming they're only calling preflop with Queen 10 suited, we're boiling that all the way down to four combos. Yep. And then I think eight seven suited is going to be their just as much too so we'll yeah. add another four combos yep. there 10 8 suited is like close we'll, we'll say like maybe a couple combos of that mm-hmm. and then yeah we'll, we'll assume that we bet large enough on the turn to fold out like king queen and king so maybe suited. eight combos of mystery dresses between eight and 12 depending on the okay. 10 8 suited depending situation. on how sticky they are pre-flop yeah <laughs> and then i think so <clears throat> we'll make the assumption that a hand like 10 9 suited 9 8 suited 
that those would fold to our river jam. Yep. But if we check, they're going to check back. So like those are hands that just are not going to put chips in the pot, but we beat them. So like we'll just check down and win. So those are kind of irrelevant to the okay. to the conclusion. So it's like of the hands that could put chips in, what's the best plan of action here? Okay. And so if we check, let's say our opponent then puts us all in. Now we can assume that like the 16 combo or what was it? 16, 16 combos right, yeah. that we were behind. Those are obviously all going to do it. Yeah. But there's the, the eight to 12 combos of bluffs. Yeah. And so actually, if we're doing the math, like 70, if, if they bet 75%, we only need to win 30% of the time to be profitable. Yeah. So even with just the bluffs, like even the bluffs cover enough of the combinations to make it profitable. Yeah. Because even if it's only queen 10 suited and eight, seven suited, that's eight. And there's 16 value combos we lose to. Yeah. So that's already one third. That's already 33%. Yeah. So that's yeah. already enough. And mm-hmm. that's not even taking into consideration if they value bet queen jack, jack suited. queen 10. We, or that, we can chop with king jack suited. Yeah. Um, yeah. They could have 10 8 suited. There are a bunch of different things going on here. So I think the profitable play, I like it. So it's funny though, because this is a unique spot. I like this uh, as a hypothetical situation because I feel like most people here. Would without thinking of those, thinking of this DP, a DP deeper, um, they are going to be jamming King Jack here and then just losing value. Yeah. So that's a, I think it like brings together a bunch of different concepts where it's like we are in a situation where we think we usually have the best hand. That doesn't mean that when we bet, it's we're the going most to, profitable. Yeah. It doesn't mean that when the chips actually go in, we're going to have the best hand most of the time because we kind of concluded that. If we bet and get called, that means we're probably losing more often than winning. So it's a bad value bet. But once we decide to check, then all these hands that would have folded to the bet, some of those hands are going to do the betting for us. And now, while we still lose to all the same hands, now there's a larger range of hands that will put chips in. Yeah. So we get value from more hands by checking here. That makes sense. So essentially, I mean, that's that's still that, is that considered an exploit? I think that's not an exploit. I think that's just like normal theory stuff. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 An exploit would be like if your opponent just can't ever fold. Yeah. Then you jam because they're gonna call with a nine, right, right. all okay. their nines or something. Okay. Um, and the uh, way I was thinking was like we're exploiting the combos, right? Like we know we're checking here, knowing that we're making the ranges of hands that are going to put chips in the middle wider by checking. Anyways, that was where my thought was. Yeah, yeah it, it. it kind of depends on how you phrase it. From a poker standpoint, I think this is. Like, I'm not exploiting the opponent rather than exploiting the combinations that I figured yeah, out. You're you're like maximizing the situation. I think yeah. is what you're kind of that. Yeah, maybe exploit's for. just the wrong word for it. Okay. Yeah. You're, you're taking the information and figuring out if, you know, again, in poker, you assume if you're in this situation a thousand times, based on all the assumptions staying the same, like what would earn you the most chips in the long run? I really liked how you put that, though, how it's going to it, now by checking, you're going to be having a wider range of hands willing to put chips in. Whereas if we were betting, we were uh, all of a sudden... Uh, Maybe a few hands will put chips in, but by checking all of these missed combos, or all these missed draws, now we're going to put chips in. I mean, obviously the value hands are as well, but we beat a couple of value hands. You know, it's just yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. 
But and that's not the point. The point is it's valuable. <laughs> yep. Yeah, and I think it, it's good to clarify too. Like, I'm not saying if you throw this into Solver, maybe King Jack is supposed to jam because your opponent's supposed to call with okay. more. I, but I think like in a lot of situations, like I'm making an assumption based on sort of a normal normal opponent. Yeah, um, I think it's fair. It all makes sense or it's logical. Yeah, and the point of this episode is to say, is not to make the right assumptions, but okay, you've made your assumptions. Now how do you maximize your profit based off those using the math and logic involved. That's awesome, so. man. I think a lot of people will find a ton of value in uh, what, what you brought to the table today. And I know I actually have as well. Um, this has been super helpful for me. Um, do you have anything else left on that? That was all I really had. Obviously we could go down tons of rabbit holes yeah. here and like, I love talking about this stuff. So cause you're a nerd, right? I'm a nerd. <laughs> um, good actually and and it is a good time to mention um you know i i do some coaching and this this is a lot of stuff that when i do coaching i'll kind of um base it off of a lot of this stuff so it's good to know this stuff um i'm very happy to teach this stuff yeah to anyone out there if if it isn't clicking for you right now but also even if you're not looking to invest that seriously in your game like we do have our discord yeah um you and i both respond to like the hand histories and other people do too. Other there's a lot of very knowledgeable people in the group right now. We have well over six. Or we're at sixty members right now. Yeah, and, we, and 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 it's active. People are in there listening to your hands and giving their two cents. And mo- and a lot of them, uh, mo- most of them, are really good players. So yeah, I think I think it's a good analysis of the situation. Um, yeah, if you want to like throw some hands in, or even if it's just hypothetical situations. I like that. That's a, that was a perfect time to plug. We both got yeah. a good plug in the last <laughs> two episodes. We did, yeah. Um, I, yeah, so before we kind of wrap things up here, let's just kind of summarize the things we've went over so far. Um, I think the first one we kind of discussed was defining pot odds, mm-hmm. how to find out if a, if a call is profitable or yep. not, or if we should be bluffing um bluffing or value betting bluff. we didn't we didn't really do any bluffing examples but yeah similar but sort we of did concepts. the math we, we gave some math behind it um and then after that we kind of learned how to set a foundation for counting blockers mm-hmm. um or do, combos or, yeah would i say blockers yeah. <laughs> <laughs> combos but, uh, but yeah it, it kind of does show the relevance of blockers in the sense that like if you have a card it can cut down on the certain amount of combinations of either bluffs right, or they're value bets. Yeah. yeah, they're aligned. And I think that's another very important reason to learn your combos is because you can start, uh, you can construct at much more precision your opponent's range. Yep. And, and this is why, you know, this is the stuff I love most about poker and just studying the game is like, you can you can debate a lot on what you think your opponent's range consists of, but once you have the answer of what their range is, like there is just a correct answer. Yeah. Most of the time. Once we know what the cards are face up, or not, or not even, yeah, not even. But like, even if you don't know what they are face up, but like in this last situation, it's like, oh, if we know, if we're right that they're only going to have these sorts of hands. Well, now we can make a decision that maximizes the profit against all those hands combined, even though we don't know which one they have right now. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So instead of profiting, ver- yeah, profiting versus a specific hand, you can now, we've figured out how to profit versus the range of hands that we've got down to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, then this is the stuff that kind of got me really excited about poker and still 
still sort of does. Yeah. It's funny though because this is the exact same shit in school that put me to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing, and and it's amazing because it's like you don't need to be great at this stuff. How you apply it though can make it more interesting. So I mean, I love this stuff now, and I love learning about it. I, I think it's because it's in a, a state where it's usable for me. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. I th- I think yeah. So. If, I can't speak to that as much because I've always sort of yeah. really liked math. Mm-hmm. And I've really liked the fact that in math, there just is a right answer. Yeah. As long as the variables going into it are correct. Right. right. Yeah. And so I think, you know, even if you're someone out there who isn't a big fan of math, y- you don't need to be s- completely precise about it, but like just sort of understanding the logic behind it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I think that'll be a good place to wrap it up here. Um, I just want to wish everyone a happy new year. I hope a very profitable year for all of us. Very profitable. Very profitable. I think everyone play me heads up. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to be playing or playing. You, look at you got me. We're going to be um, doing a lot of content in our Discord. We're going to be still dropping podcasts every single week throughout the new year. We're just getting started, ladies and gentlemen, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. So Make sure to join our Discord. Uh, we're going to be doing, in the new year, weekly sit-downs and live streams where you can, for free, come and learn with us. You know what I mean? You can learn about combos, uh, all these other things. So, Wes, anything uh, going on into the new year for you? Yeah, so poker-wise, we'll see. So I'm out, I'm going to be skiing the first weekend. No cheap and deep for you? No cheap and deep for me. For For our Minnesota listeners out there, I'm sure a lot of you will be in the cheap and deep at Canterbury. I won't be, so good luck to all of you. Yep. I will be firing the Avalanche at Running Aces, I think, the following weekend. What's What date does that fall on again? Uh, it's like the f- 12th, 13th, 14th. Okay. Yeah. I can actually play that then. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've, you've got some exciting stuff coming up, I don't do. you? I do. I will be getting married to the love of my life in less than three weeks, I think now. January 20th, I'll be getting married. So... Um, Right around three weeks from now, uh, I'm taking that next step into the next chapter. Yeah, so. congrats. I mean, I'll be there for it. Yeah, I appreciate that. I will be um, still, you know, foot on the pedal playing poker, still loving it. So definitely, um, I'm thankful that I have someone I love that supports that. So she's pretty awesome. That's great. Happy New Year, everybody. Let's get it. Happy New Year. Happy New Year's from the Suda Kings podcast, and we'll catch you guys soon. Bye.